The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas, part of the Jonas Podcasting Network, and we're back with another amazing guest uh, with a, a, such a rich history in the wrestling business. He's been a, a published author, a renowned interviewer, and a successful wrestling manager. Um, he's also the co-founder of Chicago Connection, uh, the brand, uh, Mr. P. L. Myers. So, P. L., it's great to have you on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, my friend. How are you today? I'm so honored to be on this. I watched your episode with Mr. Hudson, Mr. 3%. The Indeed. Second member of the Chicago Connection. And again, uh, you saw the passion that he has. And I know the passion you have for business. And this is about uh, embracing the love that we all have for the business and showing what it's all about. Indeed. Indeed. I want to first of all start talking to you about Chicago Connection because we spoke a little bit off air uh, and I, I'm representing. I've got the brand on as we speak, uh, but you're the, one of the co-founders of the legendary uh, brand Chicago Connection. Now, you've told me before off air that uh, the Chicago Connection, it, it prides itself on certain ideals, certain principles. Um, but for uh, anyone who's not too familiar with the Chicago wrestling scene or the Chicago Connection brand, uh, tell us a bit more about the Chicago Connection. Uh, what it's all about and what the group has stood for for over two decades now, PL. Well, the, the main thing is that we all grew up as wrestling fans. You're a fan. I'm a fan. Begin the business. And when I was given an opportunity to become a manager, um, I wanted to do something that would not embarrass myself, my family, or my friends. And I wanted to do the best at what I can. I know I'm never going to be Bobby the Brain Heenan, who I had the pleasure to work with. Jim Cornette, Bill Alfonso, Paul Ellering, J.J. Dillon, the list of managers goes on. I never knew I could be them, but I had to be myself. So basically what I did was I uh, got trained. I got to become a manager. I trained. Uh, I first started in the LWF, the Lunatic Wrestling Federation, which would be the ECW of Chicago. Uh, I met Kingpin, a legendary manager. Yeah. Uh, uh, Worked with Windy City Championship Wrestling, which was the WWF of Chicago. And uh, we basically uh, came together and came up with this idea. What happens if you took two managers with passion together and form a faction? Well, we're from Chicago. Uh, so let's form the Chicago Connection. So the first day we show up, we show up at the LWF in a limo at a show. Owner comes out and goes, why are you guys in a limo? Said, because we can. He thought somebody else was in there. It's the faction of you look the part, you dress the part, you act the part, you know, and uh, that's what we did. Then we went to uh, PWI, which was the WCW, which became pro championship wrestling, a very um, company I worked for for 14 years, um, had thousands of people in attendance, the world famous Dream Night. That was our WrestleMania, where we had some of the biggest named stars come through Chicago. Um, you can name from the Road Warriors to uh, Brody Piper, Dusty Rhodes, Bret Hart, Mick Foley, uh, Ric Flair, Ultimate Warrior, Bobby the Brain Hand, Jim Cornette's come through. I mean, we've had over 40 huge name stars come through our company. So when we went to PCW, uh, we put uh, the first two members, uh, Big Jack John Burke, uh, legendary wrestler of uh, PCW, along with Jared Priest, who was starring out. And we formed the Chicago Connection. And then we started winning championships. Some members left, we added more. We, um, we added Jay Phoenix, Whiplash, uh, Michelle Morgan. Um, you know, the list goes on. We've had over in our 21 year history, we've had uh, now 23 members of the connection. 15 are wrestlers. We've had managers. We have a athletic trainer, uh, world famous, who's worked in the independent scene in Chicago, Mike Gilmartin. Uh, who works at UIC, works with Michael Jordan, who's worked with Michael Jordan. You have John uh, Robolinski, uh, John G's Beat, who um, does our PR. We've had all these different people. And now our newest member, Steve Arendt, commentator of Chicagoland Championship Wrestling, 
who I would have to say is one of the best passionate commentators I have met. He and sure he, is. he combines, you know, you never want to say who he is like, but, you know, if you put uh, the the professionalism of a Gordon Soli with the uh, historic side of it, of a Jim Ross, with the passion of a Joey Styles together, that's what you have with Steve. And um, every member of the connection uh, is uh, asked to be part of it because the Chicago connection is built about three things, respect for the sport, for the business, for the fans, individual pride to be the very best at what you are and the tradition of the ones that came before you. Uh, I was very fortunate growing up uh, in Elmhurst, Illinois, 19 miles out west, northwest, uh, west of Chicago, um, went to York High School. A world famous uh, uh, high school coach, Coach Joe Newton, um, over across the pond, you know, Sebastian Coe. He worked yep. with Sebastian Coe. Uh, coach Joe Newton, who was my mentor, I was a manager for him for, two, for the 14th and 15th state championship. Um, he taught me that, you know, you look the part, you act the part, you have rules. And he won 29 state championships. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but the movie, The Long Green Line, I'm in as a manager talking about they can't take this away from us and those are the principles you know uh that we learned and so that's why the chicago connection is we're not heels we're not faces we're the talent you know it's like you know your favorite team you love your team your friend doesn't like your team and we're out there to be professional and do it and it's about uh, a family uh fraternity uh, that the connection's about. And that's why we bring in the best of the best that join. And our fans, like you, um, mm. see all the shirts. They see the passion. They know the, the, quote, connection. You know, you want to be connected? Join the connection, fans. And that's what Indeed. we are. Indeed. And I, I want to talk a lot more about the Chicago Connection and Jonathan Hudson and everything else a little bit later on. But, PL, I, I want to take a deep dive into your, your wrestling fandom then. Can you remember when your wrestling fandom began? Uh, what what what's some of your earliest memories uh, when you first came across pro wrestling as a younger fan then, PL? It, it goes back to a, uh, most of us, uh, because of the cable in Chicago, uh, we all watched uh, WWF. Hulk Hogan, that era. Uh, and then when the, uh, I always tell people, Hulk Hogan is like your first toy. You love it, you hug it, you squeeze it, then you you flip the dial and now you're watching NWA and World Class and you you know you ditch the toy and find a new toy. Nothing yeah. against Hulk Hogan, who I've met, who um, I also appreciate because he introduced my hero, my friend Hawk, his, to his wife, Dale. So I have much respect for Hogan for what he's done for the business and also what he's done for uh, outside the business. But that was my first thing around 13, because, you know, most of us are kind of like a, wrestling fans are like misfit toys. You know, we never, we never fit that one thing. We're not the jock. We're not the thing. We're not this. We all kind of mesh. And so when you're wrestling is kind of like cosplay right now, or, you know, the C2E2s and stuff like this, all these people, the fandoms, well, before that happened, it was us wrestling fans. Yeah, We bought the magazines. We bought the action figures, my LJN figures that I still have, all of them. You know, it was something we believed because these people, these athletes were larger than life to us. And that's why I got hooked. Most of us, my great-grandmother, remember watching uh, Gorgeous George, you know, and it skipped a generation. So my passion and fan, and I felt that's where I, I belong because it was something I... I, I bought, I got the posters, I got the magazines. I, it, the passion of the fans back then, not to take away from the fans today, but that passion, you lived, eaten, breathed it. Yeah. Did, did you grow up in the Chicago area then, PL? I was right outside Chicago. I was about 19 miles. I, was, I grew up in Elmhurst, Illinois, which is about right. 19 miles. So uh, we went to the Rosemont Horizon. Now I was going to ask, what, what sort of live wrestling did you see when you were growing up? So, uh, yeah, carry on. Yeah, yeah. My, my first match uh, match was for my birthday. My parents took me to with my my younger brother David. We went to go see Hulk Hogan in the main event against Nikolai Volkov. Wow. There was, there was no pyro. There was there was no there was really hardly any music. It was just one ring, a light, and you know a whole a whole different world. I mean, Tito Santana, the Missing Link was on the card. Bobby Heenan, King Kong Bundy, and it was just 
larger than life. And I was, even though I was like 14 rows back, I, I had a great time because these were the guys we, and remember back then, back around 84, 85, you could never meet the wrestlers. You could never see the wrestlers. You just saw what was on TV or what was in the ring. Absolutely. And, and who were some of your, your favorites growing up? Who were some of the, the larger than life characters that uh, uh, you were really hooked on uh, back in those, I'd say, mid to late 80s or maybe going into the, into the 90s, PL? Well, my, my, my first passion um, has been the Road Warriors. You know, that was that was a team. I mean, a grant. I mean, when I first started, yeah, we all grew up. I had the Hulk Hogan T-shirt, printed an iron on T-shirt. You know, I, I, I certain guys. But then I started watching the Road Warriors and what they did with Paul Ellering, a uh, great manager. Uh, Ric Flair, who, mm. who embodies what a champion was. He dressed the part. He looked the part. Um, he would have fit they, really well into the Chicago connection. It's And that's the, and that's kind of. <laughs> of the full horsemen and you know we all we all take away from something but the thing is is that the difference with this is is that yes we're not flying to vegas to hang out for 24 hours and drink and play uh, you know slots and uh, blackjack but together with uh the connection we 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 all ask each other what your opinion is because not one member stands out over the other even though i might be a co-founder with kingpin Steve and Jonathan's and uh, Michael Martin's and uh, John Robolinski and all the members, uh, Cognito Jones, who is our jack of all trades. The, the man has a mind for the business that is second to none. And also a former tag team wrestler uh, champion in the LWF, who's now with me in uh, uh, Chicagoland. So um, that's the, that's what grew up was those guys like Rowdy Piper and, you know, and then you know you 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 kind of because you like the the road warriors you say oh I'm gonna like the ultimate warrior and then you you know and I met him and he came to our show for PCW, um, for one of the events and you know just I think that was the style of the people that you grew up was just the larger than life athletes, yeah. and Jimmy Superfly snuck up my first action figure um, that I worked with in the ring uh, I got hit in the head with a coconut by Jimmy Superfly Snuka, um, dressed as Rowdy Piper with his. <laughs> The, kill, uh, the bagpipes, it, if you saw the video, you thought we were in Madison Square Garden. And when he clocked me with that coconut, it, and that was on the same show as the 20-year anniversary of the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering. And that was the last time all three were together when they won the, their championship, the uh, PCW Tag Team Championship belts. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And, and did you know from an early age that you wanted to be part of the wrestling business? You know, it's kind of funny. I look back and I, you know, you know, they have the fairs in Elmhurst and I had the caricature of, you know, the Time Life magazine. Oh, there's Paul Myers managing the Road Warriors. Never thought in a million years. And then when I went to Elmhurst College and now it's a university, I graduated there. I did radio there for three years. I did shows called Eye on Elmhurst, interview with different people. Uh, then we went to uh, start doing television. We came up with Hero Television because we want to interview people and careers that people want to get involved in with uh, Mike McCann, who passed away uh, last year, who for formed it with me. And then Elmhurst College says, well, you know, just stay with the radio if you want to do television. So we want to do television. And that's where the Hero TV started and started with all the interviews. And then, you know, my wife, uh, third interviews was with Road Warrior Hawk, you know, in 96, you know, as the biggest fan, you know, you go up there, you think as an interviewer, you want to I go up to him and say, this man's won six different championships. The Crockett Cop, this guy's a legend. And he looks at the camera and goes, how do you not like this guy? He knows everything. And, <laughs> yeah. we, and we became friends. And uh, um, and I, it was the biggest thrill of my life. I got his autograph. I got my picture with him. And then uh, I go I go do some other interviews. I come back towards him. And I know he's busy. He says, Paul, come here. Wait, he knows my name? <laughs> so the friendship became there. And uh, – you know, most times you, you meet your heroes, they let you down. He's never let me down. I mean, yes, we all know Hawk did things that, you know, people go, oh, he drinks too much. He does this too much. Uh, but he would always be a genuine, uh, good-hearted person to everyone that he came in contact with. So he that's did. how I got into television. I started doing interviews. And then uh, ECW came on. I'm like, wow, maybe I could get into doing interviews. I never thought I'd be a manager. So I 
uh, went, uh, I sent my letter into ECW, got my press credentials. They were at the Odium in Villa Park, which is the next town over from Elmhurst. Um, I went to interview everybody. I interviewed Taz, Balls Mahoney, uh, Tommy Dreamer, and then Bill Alfonso. And uh, Bill, this is with, with TNN or TNT um, and uh, on Spike Television now. And he goes, yo, Danny, we can have everybody. Why don't you come on board? So I started the next event I went to November, remember, in Buffalo. Uh, I saw my high school coach uh, have his uh, cross-country meet. I saw him won their championship. I got on a flight. Did he have any bags with me? Just was all dressed up. Flew to Buffalo, New York. Got into the rental car. I'm dressed up. Everyone's like, why is he in a suit? And I go to the, uh, I drive down to the arena in Buffalo. The uh, merchandise person said, no, they're at the hotel. So I went to the hotel. I run into Paul Heyman in the elevator. And I go, hi, Mr. Heyman. My name is Paul Myers. I just want to you know, I, I love to work for your company. And I hope you got my tape. He says, yeah, I got your tape. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, oh, that's, and then I talked to Bill Alfonso. I go to the show. I take pictures ringside, not ringside, but I had a second row ticket. I took pictures. That night I was in with Bill Alfonso, Spike Dudley, Jerry Lynn, and New Jack. Wow. And that night uh, I was I was doing interviews and I said, yeah, I kind of like to do all these different things. And Spike Dudley gave me the best advice and says, pick one thing and be the best that you can be at it. So Bill Alfonso and I go talk to New Jack and New Jack and myself and Bill Alfonso. We come up with, well, what are we going to call yourself? Well, there's so many Pauls in the business. Well, let me use my initials. PLs are my real initials because I didn't want to be, I hate to say Bob. And then I got turned around like, oh yeah, I forgot I'm Bob. So <laughs> initials, PL, and PL stands for, could stand for pure luck, promotional locomotive, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we came up with what the suit was going to look like from, you know, the, 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 the Japan looking, you know, collar. Uh, the sunglasses, because, uh, you know, when you start out, you're a little nervous. So I was like Bret Hart because I read what Bret Hart, why Bret Hart wears sunglasses, because when he started, he was nervous. So he didn't want the reaction of the fans to see that he was nervous. So P.L. Myers. And then I said the shot to the top pro wrestling's manager extraordinaire. Perfect. He's from Chicago outside the suburbs because, you know, we have quite a few people that are from Chicago that they that aren't from Chicago. Or myself, unfortunately, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, but uh, I still represent uh, Chicago. So, and from that moment on, I went to the LWF, started training, took bumps. That hurts. You're six foot four. You fall back. That ring hurts. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, my first show, April 29th, uh, 2000, sent my tape to ECW. They saw it. They loved it. And uh, I started going on the road with them. Um, just to um, be there to be seen, not to be in the way. I always stayed in the back. I stayed my, I, you know, cause you never want to be that guy to get thrown out. You know, I got an all access pass. And the, the funny thing was, is that in Los Angeles, because you're a huge ECW fan uh, story with XPW. As Tell you, us about that, Paul, because um, I, I was going to ask you about that because you were there on that fateful night. I think it was uh, July, 2000 heat wave pay-per-view, wasn't it? Um, but uh, I'll let you continue the story. But uh, um, so, some wannabes from XPW decided to buy a ticket ringside. And uh, I'll let you continue the story. Well, the funny thing was, is that uh, I flew to Los Angeles and your friend, Tommy Dreamer. And I met Tommy Dreamer. I was like, oh, there's Wacko Paul. Like, Wacko Paul, what are you talking about? And the other guy goes, no, no, no. He calls you names. He likes you. I'm like, okay. So I get to the hotel. All the boys are poolside. And I'm just dressed regular. And I go, hi, how are you guys doing? Oh, can't talk to you. What do you mean you can't talk to me? Well, you're not a gimmick. I went upstairs to the hotel room, got dressed up, 90 degree weather, went down <laughs> full five. I said, can you talk to me now? We're just kidding. Well, that was plenty oh. of rip. <laughs> that was, that was the, the, the group that the guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, DeVito and you know all the guys Nunzio who was in our group it was kind of like Nunzio uh Bill Alfonso Sandman you know we had this little group together um of guys that you know would always uh, would always believe in me to get signed and uh so we go to the event now I'm driving Sandman and Bill Alfonso back and forth to the building 
I have my access pass. That's why I tell you kids, you don't want these things unless you work for them. One of the owners, where'd you get that? Sandman. Give it to me. I'm like, okay, here it is. Give him a ticket up in the balcony. I'm like, I'm dressed up. I'm not sitting in the balcony. Well, when you look like you belong, as Jimmy Hart says, if you look like you should be on the show, then you're part of the show. I got downstairs. I'm watching the show. I see Sandman's entrance. As you know, the greatest entrance of all time. The best. My favorite. My favorite. Sandman comes to the crowd. He's doing his thing. Then comes the main event. Now, in the front row, the main event is Tommy Dreamer versus Just Incredible Stairway to Hell with Francine yep. Ringside. I'm there a little higher up, but I'm I'm because Los Angeles was kind of like a pit going down. So I was up on that first level. And all of a sudden, uh, security, Atlas, who I wish I had, um, basically told the guys, turn your shirts around. Well, something happened ringside with Francine. Boom. Tommy Dreamer, boom. Supposedly, uh, I was told Paul Heyman kind of threw down his headset and said, I'm going to kill those guys. Whole locker room clears out. The fight breaks out ringside. As you can see on t on the video, the camera kind of goes there up on a YouTube to see, yeah. <laughs> now, there's two stairways going outside. One, they're fighting on one stair. I'm going up the other stairwell. We're both going outside. Basically, everybody starts fighting outside. Now, there's no cameras. So this is a shoot. It's not a work, which means it's real. They are fighting. Jack Victory's kicking the crap out of homeless Jimmy against the fence. New Jack, who had surgery, is swinging his, I think, his uh, crutches. And they get in a limo. All, all of a sudden, woo, here come the police. The police basically draw their guns and say, everybody get back in the building or everyone's going to jail. They left. All of a sudden, I feel this big hand grab me, pull me inside, shut the door. Is big Sally Graciano. So the fight's over. Get back to the hotel. A little kid's wearing an XPW shirt. I'm like, you might want to take that off for your own safety. Good so advice. <laughs> I go back to Chicago to do an interview, and the guy goes, oh, I, I that was all planned, wasn't it? I'm like, why would that be all planned if there's no cameras? But that was how ECW was. It was it was like being part of Almost Famous. You know, William, who went to do the interviews. I never worked for ECW. I never got paid by ECW. Uh, I, I worked the merchandise when they were in Chicago. Their last event in Chicago, because Tommy Dreamer asked me to work with uh, the, the, the merchandise. And actually, in that match, when uh, New Jack is fighting Rhino in a hardcore match, he used my Chicago Bears helmet. A real helmet and they actually had to find it because he he came over like hey let's get we went shopping let's get a q stick let's go to the home depot let's get a garbage can and he's like hey can i use your helmet sure no problem takes the helmet wax them i'm like i better get that helmet back because that was a real chicago bears helmet from uh, uh neil anderson that's so ECW was one of those things that if it lasted i i believe i've been working for them as a man well so as I said to you um, off air before we started recording, I mean, ECW was, was so influential on me and my wrestling fandom. And when they came around as early as when they were Eastern Championship Wrestling and then Paul E got involved and Extreme Championship Wrestling was born, um, it, it came around at the best time for me because I was just kind of in my teenage years, early adulthood. Um, and it saw me through to my, my early 20s. And yeah, ECW, I, I was preaching to anybody who would listen about ECW back in the day. Um, and I would get the, the tapes imported from, from, from the States. Um, and I can, I'm fortunate that I can rewatch everything on the WWE Network, although maybe a slightly sanitized version. Um, but uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting that we're both huge ECW fans and you were so close to kind of what was going on back in the day. Do, do you ever kind of uh, keep in touch with or say hi to any of the original ECW guys uh, nowadays then, Paul? Yes, I, uh, Bill Alfonso, as you know, uh, uh, of the group is my probably my closest person I talk to on a, uh, a monthly basis. Bill Alfonso um, has been a friend. Um, He's been uh, one of those guys that you look at is that, you know, you always say we're all brothers in the business or I'm friends with this guy. And, it you know, it's kind of like the big fish story. Yeah, I caught a fish this big. Bill Alfonso, I have his cell number. He has one of my original P.L. Myers action figures along with Tommy Dreamer uh, because they believed in me. I wanted to say, hey, and it still sits on their desks. Uh, I got 
a uh, Paul, I got a Bill Alfonso action figure made and I gave it to him because he never has one. So they, they made one and I said, here, here it is. So he's part of the connection. Uh, a man that's been in the business for 40 years, passionate referee, manager, work backstage, uh, very underutilized. Um, and any company that works with him and use them, you're getting a class act. And uh, Sandman I've talked to uh, because he was on the... The interesting thing, when PCW started uh, in 2001, our very first show, Rebirth, Bill Alfonso was on the show. Sandman was on the show. Billy Corgan was sitting ringside because Billy Corgan is a huge ECW fan who I had the pleasure to work with when he uh, ran a company in Chicago with uh, the Baron Brothers uh, Resistance Pro. So I worked with Billy Corgan. Um, so it was a very special night. Uh, I talked to Tommy Dreamer, who is a very uh, supportive person myself. I always try to help him out. Uh, true story. We brought him into pro championship wrestling. It was a snowy day. Our car, uh, my wife's uh, car spun with uh, her children in the car. And uh, Tommy Dreamer is the first thing that, hey, go check on him. He was the one guy that cared about what was going on. And yeah. they were okay. Um, they hit a pole, but they're, they're, they were all a little shaken up. But Tommy Dreamer is a, uh, another class act. And then he little Guido. And then, yeah. Guido, Guido, um, and then I see uh, um, Spike Dudley when I saw him at the ECW reunion show uh, in Philadelphia. So I do, I do see some of them. Uh, Francine, another person, big hearted person. So there's a list goes on of everybody that ran behind the scenes um, of ECW. And it was a very magical time and special time. And yeah, I wish I was, I wish I was like one year away from getting signed or being part of it. And again, it was a, a group that all worked together. Um, and that's, I mean, I even met Shane Douglas uh, and Shane Douglas, we brought in a PCW and I managed him and he became the heavyweight champion when I worked with him. So I managed Shane Douglas as PCW champion for a show. So uh, it was a very magical time. Uh, something I'll never forget. And the things I learned from new Jack, you know, you know, you be, be part of the show, uh, always conduct yourself as a business guy. So new Jack has been very influential too in my career. That's really, really interesting. Really interesting. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to skip back to your, your interviewing days, if that's okay, PL, because, um, I, I think I'm right in saying, and please feel free to correct me, but have you interviewed the rock Dwayne Johnson? Yeah. Yes. Tell, tell me about that. Tell me about that. Interesting story. Uh, I interviewed The Rock right before he becomes. No, he was heavy. I think he was heavy. No, he was going to become heavyweight champion. It was back in Chicago. I met, interviewed him in El Snow one day. It was snowing. So we go down there, and this is a very young Rock right before he really took off. I mean, he was popular, but he really took off. So my style of interview is I have kind of 10 questions. You know, growing up, who is your hero? What motivates you? So he kind of jokes about one word answers. So I interviewed him. I said, who's your hero? Well, you know, The Rock's got to break out of character. My mom. Um, and that interview progressed. And I kind of joked with him because, again, I said, well, you know, I could manage The Rock. Well, you know, a guy, your, your height, you know, Rock doesn't need a manager. You know, and, and the funny thing is during the interview, which we had to cut out of the interview, Stone Cold Steve Austin starts throwing snowballs behind us at The Rock. And then Rock's kind of like, oh, that's all you could throw? And then all of a sudden he cuts his promo and goes, um, well, you know, the, you know, the rock likes, uh, uh, chocolate chip cookies. And it's like, well, you know, we're going to have a glass of milk. We can have a, 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 a match with a glass of milk in the ring. Well, you know, the rocks lactose intolerant. So they went back and forth verbally, the rock and stone cold about a, having a match over a chocolate chip cookie, <laughs> and a glass of milk. I had to cut it out, but it was just, Rock was a, uh, and everyone still remembers that interview and like, you met the rock. Yeah. And this is, this is the small rock, not the huge monster rock that he's become, but uh, another great guy. So a lot of, inter I've interviewed Vince McMahon, Linda McMahon, wow. Rick Flair. I've interviewed over probably 200 wrestlers of big name stature. I think the only one I haven't interviewed is Hulk Hogan, but he was in one of the interviews I did because my first wrestling interview was with Ted DiBiase. WCW Nitro in Chicago at the United Center. Very first time. Ted goes because he was friends with Hawk. I met him. So he says, well, you want to do the interview in the ring? <laughs> sure. Never stepped in a ring before. So as a kid, you finally cross over that barrier into the ring. We're inside the United Center interviewing Ted DiBiase. 
Well, then uh, the PR guy goes, uh, excuse me, Mr. Hoagie needs to use a ring because they were taking pictures for the uh, video games. And me, being the smart aleck that I was, I said, well, let's just let the immortal Hulk Hogan come on in the ring. And he looks at the ring and goes, jerk. <laughs> but it was he was playing his character. But again, uh, it's one of those things where it just it's I've been I've been blessed to interview the biggest at Triple H, John Cena, you know, Bret Hart, you know, Kurt Angle, you name the list. Uh, all the, everyone from ECW, you know, I've, I've, I've WCW, uh, uh, down in TNT, you know, TNA. So a lot of them I've covered and then everyone in Chicago. So I've been blessed to meet the legends of Chicago, um, and interview people and, and find out who they really are and what they're really like. Speaking of legends of Chicago, uh, a certain Mr. Phil Brooks or CM Punk, uh, is renowned from uh, being a Chicago native, a Chicago boy. I'm guessing uh, you, you've you've probably interviewed or maybe met, possibly even worked with uh, with um, Mr. Brooks, CM yeah, Punk. I, I've I've met Mr. Brooks several times. I've been on shows with him. Um, he knows who I am. I know who he is. Um, he's very passionate of what he does. Um, he was also a big Chris Candido fan. Um, when he was in Ring of Honor, I gave him a tape of interview, and again. You might not like my style because just like you, I'm very passionate when I do my interview. I could come off as the a mark, you know, as I like they, they like to call someone who's over enthusiastic. But, you know, if you're not passionate about who you interview, then why do it? Exactly. So I had a chance to interview him and it just, you know, it, it, it was I was busy because uh, uh, of uh, Jim Cornette. I, I came to interview and uh, see. And the funny thing is in the LWF, I managed uh CM Punk, Phil Brooks' brother, Mike Brooks. Mike, uh. Brooks, Mike Brooks formed a faction in Chicago um, in the LWF, and it was Team Fire Pro, and I managed his brother. So I've worked with him, his brother. I, I've met him. Uh, he's very passionate about what he does. Uh, he represents the business uh, very well. Uh, you know, there's people that like him, and there's people that don't like him. But the thing is, you can't take away the passion that he has for the business uh, and his family. And uh, uh, his love for the Chicagoland sports, from the Blackhawks to the, the Cubs, um, and he represents the business. And uh, I'm I'm honored to have met him, and uh, I will be nothing but supportive of him representing Chicago as much as I do represent Chicago. And CM Punk has told me several times, "Well, you're not from Chicago." I go, "Yes, I know I'm not from Chicago, but I do my best to represent it." You spoke earlier uh, with passion about the Road Warriors, and and, and that was the, the kind of the team that opened your eyes to to you know what's like, what's outside of the WWF back in the day, and they kind of um, you became massive fans of, of uh, Hawk and Animal and became friends with Hawk and Animal. But uh, I think you touched on it earlier. But you, you was actually given the opportunity to manage the Road Warriors. Uh, once or twice. Now, obviously, Paul Ellering is their renowned longtime manager. Um, but uh, how did you get the opportunity to manage the Road Warriors? Um, was it more than once? Uh, tell me what happened there. This is what happened because of meeting Hawk for the first time at the Illinois Special Olympics uh, for a charity event he did. Uh, then he, I met him again uh, at WrestleMania 13 when they came back. Uh, in their Chicago street fight, hung out with him there, um, hung out, uh, hung out with him when he came back with draws, you know, right before he was getting married to Dale. Um, yeah. and then, um, they were doing now independent shows. So they had a contact, uh, Mr. Bob Morenin, who, uh, works uh, with wrestling figs, which is a very popular site, in a, uh, all around the world. They do figures. That's like number one site for action figures, wrestling figs. Uh, his boss, John, who I've met, a great guy. But Bob uh, uh, did the the news site because actually before him, uh, with him, was Georgianne McCrapolis, which was the godmother of wrestling, who uh, I met. And we actually gave her her own action figure. We had one made for her. So she actually had her own action figure. Uh, very cool. sweet. She put over all the talent. So Bob was booking the Road Warriors. So I booked the Road Warriors to Chicago uh, October 20th, uh, 2001. Um, the storyline was PL Myers just came off his big show and someone interrupted Flyboy TK's match. So these guys who interrupted his match, I want to embarrass them. So I'm going to hire the road warriors to 
beat those guys up. It was a three-way dance for the tag team champions. Pretty dangerous with Rick Rocket and Stalin Shane versus uh, the party animals. Uh, uh, Wally Wild, Dave Storm uh, versus the Road Warriors and myself. So we walk into the Oakland Pavilion, which was like our Rosemont Horizon. That's the building where we had all our sh- all our big sh- That was our first time we had that show there. And that became our building for Dream Night. And uh, I came out. There was a Road Warrior pop, over 900 people. Because in the States, for most shows, or I'll say Chicago, because I don't know everywhere, most independent shows draw about 100 to 200 fans. If you bring somebody in, it's two to 500. If you bring someone really big in, like the PCW did, I think our biggest event was 1,700 people uh, with Bret Hart. Um, we had, um, you'll draw that many people. So the first time you bring in the Road Warriors, you draw over 900 people. No one's ever seen that before in Chicago with a big size crowd like that. So I go out to the ring uh, during the match, the uh, road warriors decide to pin the wrong, go after the wrong guys. I go in the ring. I yell at Hawk, like, what, what are you doing? You're pinning the wrong guys. You got to pin these guys. Punches me. Here comes animal, throws me off, picks me up with a big body slam. Hawk comes off the top rope. One, two, three. I mean, on top of me, not even enough for the pin, but just, and I get carted out in a stretcher. Um, so that was the first time I managed the road warriors because Paul at the time, I don't know what Paul Ellering was doing, but that was a childhood dream. I lived it. Um, I hung out with Hawk the next day, um, for quite a few hours, just talking about life, his family, his brothers, uh, his, what he wants to do, talked about my life. And then just, that was when we became close friends, uh, brought him in again for dream night, uh, one, which was at Elmhurst college. Uh, Seth Rollins' very first independent wrestling show was watching that show. Hugh Downs from ABC News was there. We had over another 900 people. I was in a uh, tag match with Big Jack John Burke versus uh, there's a radio personality in Chicago called Man Cow with his two personalities, Jim Jesus and a guy named Turd. Um, I did get beat off of her Karana. Um, then we decided, and, that, and actually that show, Kurt, uh, Kurt Henning shows up out of the crowd because this is when he got thrown off the plane with the whole incident with Brock Lesnar shows up. The place goes nuts. Kurt Henning's there. Oh my goodness. So then he said, all right, dream night two, we're going to do the 20 year anniversary of the road warriors. 20 years and one day to the day was their anniversary. We brought in Paul Ellering, Jimmy Superfly Snooker was going to do a Piper's pit with PL Myers. The Road Warriors were going to be in another three-way dance for the PCW tag titles versus the Grave Diggers and versus CIA, which is one of the greatest tag teams in Chicago. Um, and that night they went over. They uh, won the championship. Um, that was the last time they were, all three were together before Hawk uh, passed away October 19th, 2003. So the passion of the Road Warriors, I wanted to give back as a fan. It wasn't just me that made it successful. I've always said it's a business and together we work together as a group from all the investors and all the roster that helped make pro championship wrestling, the successful company that had become, it's almost like ECW. It's one of those companies that people like, when are you guys coming back after 14 years? There's only so many people you can do and so many people we can bring in. So I wanted to give back to my heroes. And that night I sat up in the balconies, looked down and just watched as a fan because I gave back something to the road warriors that they deserved uh, yeah. accolade over over a thousand people cheering for their heroes that they grew up watching and idolizing that's an incredible story and i was only fortunate enough to see the road warriors or legion of doom wrestle the once when they were over here uh wembley stadium SummerSlam 92 uh i think it was uh, over eighty thousand people in wembley stadium i was there as a 16 year old and uh like i say it wasn't the best uh, of matches uh their match against money inc um but it was a a delight and a pleasure to hear their music that road warrior pop as you described uh, probably the biggest pop outside of stone cold steve austin i'm sure and to kind of hear that and uh, uh, your story about uh, managing the road warriors and being friends with with hawk and animal was a, a a lovely one so thank you for retelling that one but um just moving on to more recent times then uh pl uh tell us about your involvement with um john bullard and chicago land championship wrestling uh when were you first introduced to to john and when did you first become a, a part of chicago land championship wrestling then well what happened was is that um you know with the chicago land scene after uh after the uh 
uh, pro championship wrestling closes its doors because we did everything we could. Um, I bounced around to different companies, um, just uh, working with, uh, you know, our pro uh, working. I worked with Down in Dreamwave down in LaSalle, Illinois, which is another famous company down in the Midwest uh, of Illinois um, that has a huge fan base. A lot of great talent that you see on television has come through there, uh, run by Jay Repsol. I worked for uh, POW in Chicago, run by Jimmy Blaze, another legendary veteran of Chicago. Uh, did a run there. That's why uh, he asked me to come back because I knew him through um, P PCW. He actually pinned Sandman. I joke with him, 62301, you pin Sandman. So I tell him that every year. So he's coming up on his 20-year anniversary of pinning Sandman. Um, I left there. I worked with um, ARW running by Joey Boom Boom, who Jonathan Hudson worked with. And actually, I met, I saw Jonathan Hudson wrestle. And I was like, wow, this guy's built. But I didn't know who he was. And uh, Cognio Jones and myself that worked in uh, POW uh, got an opportunity to put the connection together uh, in ARW. Uh, we did one event and then with the pandemic shutting down um, that we weren't able to do it. I think our last show was in February. We made our debut. We came out to the, we actually came to the crowd with our Chicago Connection hoodies on. And I jumped uh, the family, which is another faction in Chicago. It's, they've only been around for 10 years, run by Charlie Jr., Another another uh, passionate faction, but there's only one Chicago connection, and everyone, every champion has become a uh, a superstar, as you see. Uh, and I talked to John Bullard because he was coming to Chicagoland, and I was just offering advice to John. Um, as you have talked to John, John is a very passionate man about the business. Um, yeah, he's say, a great guy. Yeah, I'll say this publicly, not to knock any owner. From Sam DeCero to Billy Billy Wack to Jimmy Blaze to Rick Knight, Wally Wild, uh, uh, Rick Rocket, all these people, uh, Jared Priest, all these people that work behind the scenes of PCW, um, Billy Corgan, you know, all these other, uh, Jay Repsol, all these promotion, promoters, great guys, passionate about the business. There was just something special about John. John is, I would say, the Mr. Rogers of the business. He loves the fans. He loves the boys. He does everything to put everyone else over besides him. Yeah. Um, so I just threw out my 20-year advice to him. Um, we're kind of joking that, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'd love to have you. No, no, I'm, I'm busy with ARW right now. You know, connection, we're kind of busy. Um, and then an opportunity opened up. Uh, we talked to John and um, – Myself, Cognito Jones, Kingpin, we said, okay, well, we're going to come to Chicagoland and why not have the Chicago connection? But knowing that we're a brand, knowing that what we bring to the table is business, we're professionals. Look at Jonathan Hudson. So the opportunity came up with Jonathan Hudson, who I've only seen once, never met him. Uh, we had conversations on the phone. I've always prefaced it with, what's your ideas? What do you think? Because this isn't just me telling Jonathan Hudson, well, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to give him ideas because, again, he didn't. He knew the passion I had for the connection. He knew all the puzzle pieces that were put together, why the connection is built like a business, built like a sports franchise. It's not just a group thrown together. And uh, it started from my high school coach to all the people, to the fans. And when we formed it together, um, I told them, I said, we're coming to the Chicagoland and we're going to make it, we're going to make a statement because we are bigger than anybody else on that show. No offense to, to <clears throat> anyone else on that roster, but if you don't believe in yourself, who will? So that night we walked through the curtain. We told everybody what we're going to do. And Jonathan Hudson, his speech is passion. <clears throat> it's how he feels, his anger. Uh, his uh, all these feelings that he had, he just came out. And that's why when I went out there to do my, and the reason why I didn't yell and scream is because that's not my job. My job is to walk, speak softly and carry a big stick. Kingpin is the calculated insanity, a legendary manager who is going to channel that energy. And then Cognito Jones comes out of nowhere with the mailbox and delivers our message even stronger because no one expected that. And that's what we did. And as you can see by the shirt that you're wearing and the shirt that your partner's wearing, the fans that wear the shirt, we're the brand that everyone wants to be part of. And 
And so I told John, uh, I said, I'm here to do what I, I was, I'm held to a higher standard. Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, the Road Warriors, Bill Alfonso, the list goes on. The people that believed in me, that made me to be the best. So I'm doing my best to help out John Bullard, to give him advice. Because he's he's 20 steps ahead of me. I already told him that. I said, what am I going to tell you that you don't know? I mean, he's got television. He's got radio. He's, I mean, things that have never been seen in Chicago. Chicago, some companies have been on television, but they're like 2 a.m. Who's been on pay-per-views? Who's on Amazon? Who's on this? Who's promoting everybody? Who's cutting promos? John is. John is working 24-7 on his business because he came from Kentucky, came up to Chicago, and my job was to, like a big brother that I joke with him about, his older, uglier, adopted brother, my, my job is, is to protect him. My job is to throw my advice because the, the missteps that I've made in my career, I don't want him to happen. I, and I always tell people, I give my advice to every company. Whether you use it or not, that's a completely different story. We all play with the same deck of gar- cards. Who's willing to roll the dice? When we brought in Ric Flair, everybody could bring in Ric Flair for X amount of dollars. We were the only ones that did. We had the plan. John's got a plan for everything he's doing. I mean, think about this, play. What other company is going to go overseas? When we come over to London, to England, we're there because of John. When we go to, when they go to Mexico, we're there because of John. And hopefully one day to go to Japan and and to go to Roberta's and and present the owner with a Road Warrior picture of their last championships and get that jacket. That's your validation in the business. You know, Absolutely. it's about respect. So John, you know, he has his haters, but he also has more uh, people that are there to uplift him. I mean, I've never seen a locker room really talk about him as passionate as they are. Because, you know, we all talk, about they're all there for a payday. I'm not there for a payday. I'm there to help build his brand and take the stress off of him. So John, as you know and I know, is is one of the good guys. And I want him to succeed because he's one of the good guys. He's not there to backstab you. He's not there to, uh, you know, not worry about the boys. You know, he, he'll he he'll make sure the boys, the fans are taking. I mean, think about this way. We talked about the fans. We came up, he came up with his, uh, you know, his, his fan club. We talked about that. He writes letters personally thanking them for buying a ticket. Who does that? And those are things we talked about. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. So, so as as much as John and I might butt heads of who he picks for Mister uh, Hudson, um, I'm there to help uh, lift him up and respect him and and sing his high praises as best as I can. Well, well, well let's talk about that then, because uh, the next time Chicago Land Championship Wrestling uh, perform their next set of TV tapings, I think is the 17th of April. Now, Jonathan Hudson, he's uh, already got a match set with uh, Chip Walker. Now, I spoke to Jonathan last week and he didn't seem too impressed with uh, Chip Walker. He didn't really know anything about him. And I think he was kind of looking through him to maybe a bigger goal or a bigger prize at the end of it. But uh, uh, kind of more of a a grander question is, what does the future hold for the Chicago Connection? Now you've got Jonathan Hudson as part of it. I mean, he's he's impassioned promo, star-making promo, I would call it, at uh, Grapple Masters episode one back in October last year. Really kind of... Uh, it, it captured my attention, which is the reason why I was so desperate to speak to Jonathan, as I did last week. Uh, but what would you say the future holds for the Chicago connection? Obviously, we know Jonathan uh, Hudson is he's going to be facing Chip Walker. But um, uh, as a group, as a brand with Chicago Land Championship Wrestling, uh, are your eyes set on a, a bigger prize? Our eyes are we are brand. And that's first and foremost. So wherever we go, whether Jonathan Hudson wrestles somewhere else and like he did i believe last night uh and he'll wrestle on the 17th he represents the business he represents the connection and the bigger picture is is that it's a as a collective family it's a unit put together and what our plans are is that chip walker is the most dangerous person right now he's got nothing to lose so yes do i worry about chip walker because he's an athlete yeah but jonathan hudson's a champion Jonathan Hudson is the, I mean, the passion that he has, Mr. 3%. No one's going to get in his way. 
are we are we are just uh, i mean mr hudson is maybe he's just looking past him yeah he is because you know why the bigger picture is the heavyweight championship whoever holds that belt whether it's chris logan a man that has represented the sport in chicago with honor who is the first champion but unfortunately mr logan you are not the last champion and that's what jonathan hudson's going to be jonathan hudson it's not if it's when and the thing is is that right now you you got to face the fro gun good luck if fro gun becomes champion then we face him because i believe right now we have a few bricks in the road as i like to call them but that bricks are the path to the champion we're the only and i'll say this right now we're the only ones calling out the champ nobody else is because jonathan hudson is the uncrowned champion he looks like a champion he acts like a champion yes he might be overzealous sometimes but you know what that's passion is that's that's from the heart that's what jonathan hudson has and i've spoken to jonathan hudson and that's why i'm honored to have him part of the connection just like cognito jones just like steve aaron they have heart they have passion this is about the business. And so the bigger picture is to come over to London, bring the belt over, the championship, and defend it that night against your very best that you can find. Because that style of wrestling that you have is a little bit different than we have over here. And what Jonathan Hudson say, I'll defend that belt, that championship, because that represents him. So our goal is there are people that know what we're doing. Maybe you'll see a few more members of the connection. Maybe there are some athletes that are sitting right now in that Chicagoland Championship Wrestling locker room and going, you know what? I might not like them, but every member since day one has become a champion. So yeah. you are guaranteed a championship. Why? Because you're the best at what you do. When you lose, you lost. When you win, you win. As long as you follow respect, individual prior tradition, which Mr. Hudson, Jonathan Hudson has for his family and his friends and his family. You heard his history of his family. Indeed. That's what it's about. So the bigger picture, Cognito Jones, maybe Cognito Jones is going to go after the TV title. Why? Because he can. Maybe there, Maybe there's a tag team that says, you know what? We're going to need your help to become tag team champions. And because, and you know what? Just because you knock on our door doesn't mean we're going to accept you. You have to have the same passion and drive that the rest of us have and believe in what we're doing because it's not the PL Myers or Jonathan Hudson show. It's the Chicago connection. And every member counts, not taking away anything that Mr. Hudson brings to the table. But he, you talk to anybody about John Hudson, Kingpin, Cognito Jones, myself, Steve. You look at him and every all of us say he is the next champion. So you can throw as many bricks as you want in the road come April, come August, come November, whatever. It might not be this year we get to the champion because he's got enough title defenses. But Mr. Logan knows in the back of his head there is a beast waiting for him. So yeah. you think your opponent's tough in April? Jonathan Hudson is going to become champion. I promise it to Jonathan Hudson. I promise it to his father. I promise it to myself because everyone believes in me just like you. Would you expect anything less than us winning that championship? No. No. Because and I think that, that match between Chris Logan and Jonathan Hudson, it's got to happen at some point in 2021. It's got to happen. But uh, uh, PL, I'm going to ask you about your, your book, uh, Gate to Gate. Now, um, fill us in on uh, what inspired you to, to write a book in the first instance and uh, when you wrote it. I know that it's forwarded by Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, and uh, I'm sure it's got some amazing, some incredible stories um, from your, your childhood through, through your wrestling career, your 25 years. Um, so uh, tell us a bit about the book and what inspired it to start off with. Well, what happened was when Hawk passed away, as you know, a lot of stories came out about Hawk. Hawk did this too much, or Hawk did this too much of excess. Hawk did this, Hawk did that. I was kind of upset at that time because he was my hero. He never let me down. 
Um, I, I, tr I went to the XWF with him uh, when I met Dale for the first time. I, I wrote up, we went down. I still remember, I mean, who would have thought I'd be riding in a car, listening to Kid Rock, who we both love, playing bow to the bow and banging on the, banging on the stereo, playing that over and over all the way down to, all the way down to the Orlando for the tapings, um, uh, staying at his house, working with him, becoming a friend, becoming a, a, a person that managed Road Wars. And then I also spoke at his funeral on the second day because Paul Ellering couldn't, had to go back home. So I spoke in front of all the, I hate to say boys, all the fans, all the friends. I mean, Vince McMahon, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan was there, Tim Horner, uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, Terry Taylor was there. He spoke after me. Um, and to sit in that room, and I decided that night uh, I was going to write a book. How I got started in the business from when I started, how I got into the business, all some of the people I've interviewed, meeting Hawk. Uh, I got some of the wrestlers from Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Paul Ellering, uh, family members to write about Hawk. So there's tributes to Hawk. Um, uh, and what happened is, is that all the proceeds from the book went to the Illinois Special Olympics and the Elmhurst Day Camp Program. So we raised over $1,000 for the charities. Um, when I was writing the book, um, I met Bobby Heenan. Uh, I didn't know he was at the funeral. Uh, radio personalities from Elmhurst College. Hey, we just interviewed Bobby. Why don't you get him up to PCW? I did. Uh, I brought him in the ring. I actually uh, hit him with his own book in the throat when he had throat cancer. Uh, that was the bump he took before that was for Hulk Hogan. So um, I, I thanked him for everything he did. I appreciate it. He looks at, and then I meet him at Ring of Honor when he's with uh, Jim Cornette. He goes, well, who's writing the forward to your book? I said, I don't know. I'll write it. Bobby the Brain, he and the greatest manager of all time. There's Jim Cornette, number two, Paul Heyman, probably number three, and everybody else. Bobby the Brain, he and the greatest manager of all time writing the forward to my book. Why? Because I have heart, he said. And it was for the right reasons. Um, I wrote the book. Um, it's an easy 200-page read. Uh, there's pictures of me with different uh, managers on the back cover uh, with all the greatest managers of all time. Um, and it's just my passion about why I'm doing it. Um, and I had uh, an artist in Chicago. You know, remember those old LJN wrestling posters? Yeah. And I, I did the backdrop of Chicago instead of the fans. And uh, Francesco, who's an artist in Chicago, did the art cover. Um, and uh, we wrote the book. It took a few years. Mike Gilmartin and my mom helped edit the book with, along with my cousin, uh, Jennifer Ralsman. And we got the book out there. Uh, Bobby Heenan came out for the book signing. Last time he came out through Chicago, he was, he was at pretty much near the last stages of his life. His, his wife says he needs to get out. Um, do these things. He came out, did the book signing with me. Um, and it was just about giving back to it. He's always believed in me. Bobby Heenan believed in me. Hawk believed in me. Um, Bill Alfonso. Um, and that's why I wrote the book because I wanted to tell my story just like everybody has. I mean, Jonathan Hudson has a story. His book is probably going to be 10 times better than mine, but, uh, and John Bullard, his book is going to be 20 times greater. And, um, everybody's got a story. You got a story. And that's the point is that we write it. Why? And I'm not great at writing books. It took me a lot of revisions because I'm not good at writing. I, I don't have good spelling. I can't even play word finder with my wife. She still beats me. I'm spelling. <laughs> that's about it. You, you're still got it published though. You're still got it published yeah. and it's, you know, it's yeah, in I print. Got, I, I got it published um, through Lulu Press. Uh, so if anyone wants to write a book, go through there. So because I, I sent my book to a different uh, companies. But the problem was they said it would be about a year till it gets out. You would get X amount of dollars per book uh, or how much on the cents. And you, you have no control over it. So I went to Lulu Press with my cousin who helped me do it. And we got it out ourselves. And, and now you can buy the book on Amazon. You can buy it. Don't buy it on eBay. For some reason, someone has it on eBay. Um, but you can buy the book. And it tells stories about uh, – and it's an interesting read. And I made sure – uh, it wasn't to undercut anybody or tell stories behind people's back because uh, I, I didn't want to become a he said, she said book. You know, you I I did this interview with John and he was horrible. Well, then you write a book and say, well, no, Paul was horrible. No, it's 
it was a, a, a tribute to how I got to point A to point B and why I still what I do. And, yeah. you know, we, we've uh, raised money for good charities and that's why the book came out. And the reason why it was called Gate to Gate, as Hawk always said, by the moment he got off the plane to the moment he got back on the plane, he was taken care of. So he always looked at me and goes, gate to gate, we're taken care of. Because on the independent scene, as you know, in ECW, perfect example, you would get picked up. uh, We went to an XPW show for for New Jack. I was out there in Los Angeles, the same company that had a fight with ECW. Some, one of the boys picked him up on some beat up car. Some wrestler the, before that got picked up and the car died on the expressway in Los Angeles and they had to get another car. So when I worked with PCW, I knew you had to be taken care of from the moment you got off the plane to the moment you got back on. I made sure the guys got paid. I made sure they, they stayed in a, uh, a good hotel. Um, they, they had their ticket tickets taken care of and they were taking care of first class. And that's what, embodies what the the book was about so that's why it was called gate to gate so that's we've had a good run, good run with the book and i've been very blessed to uh been in the position that i've been in the last 20 years yeah and we'll make sure the link the amazon link uh to uh, the book is in the description to this podcast and uh, youtube description so uh, don't worry about that pia we'll make sure that so we give it a good bit of promotion but uh, i'm even going to be purchasing the book myself don't worry about that but uh, one of my final questions for you and you mentioned on the back cover of that book there's pictures of you with some legendary managers that you've uh, had the pleasure and the fortune of interacting with and meeting over the many many years but um, what's the best bit of advice that you've been given from one of those legendary managers? I think the best advice is just to be yourself because you, I mean, yes. What's the difference between Paul Myers and PL Myers? It's just cranked up. It's kind of like spinal tap. I'm going to 11, but I'm not going to that level of embarrassment. Yes. Have I stepped in a ring? Yes. Should I have not been wrestling? I never, when I've stepped in a ring, I've always said I fought. I never wrestled because that's disrespectful to the wrestlers. I've been in cage matches. I've been in fights against, uh, I made an event against Sonny Rogers, legendary man in Chicago. And I beat him, uh, with the help of Kingpin. So, so I've been blessed to be on the road. I have, I've met heroes and legends. I never thought in millions of years I would do. I worked with the greatest fans, the greatest talent in Chicago guys behind the scenes, uh, in front of the scenes. And, um, I, I'm just passionate about what I do and I'm very respectful of what I do because it's a, it's a heavy burden, just like Jonathan Hudson has, you have the crown on your head and it weighs a little heavy, but Jonathan Hudson and myself and Cognio Jones and Kingpin and Steve right now um, are up to the challenge because that's what we have to do. That's what you expect because we're everything you're not, nothing that you'll be. And uh, one quick side note, uh, do you ever watch dark side of the ring? Oh, indeed. I've seen everyone. They're fantastic. One with the Road Warriors. Yeah. Those clips of Hawk are mine. I oh, am in, wow. I, I, did the, I sent the clips to Dark Side of the Ring with the Road Warriors. So those interviews. So if you look on YouTube, you can find some of my interviews I've done. That I've gotten up there of my a lot of the different people from the Road Warriors to The Rock is up there to uh, Ric Flair. So uh, I've been very honored and blessed. And that's the best way to do it. And that's one of my uh, crowning achievements is that I was able to show the world what Hawk was. And I was proud to be part of that show. So again, I'm honored to be on your show. I'm part, I'm glad to know you and the other John Scott. And uh, I look forward to coming over overseas to represent the Chicago connection, the brand, but also represent Chicagoland championship wrestling and the talented athletes and people that, that represent that company. Indeed. Uh, P.L. Myers, it's been incredible to speak to you over the last hour uh, about your life and your love and passion and your career in professional wrestling. Uh, I want to thank you very much. No, no, the, the honor is all mine. And the best thing I can do for what you do is uh, the best advice is from uh, my friend's uh, dad, uh, Mr. Paris, who is a Latin teacher. He was in class and he saw a person with a shirt. And says, do what you love, love what you do, and the world will come to you. And that's what every wrestling fan has found out through the love that we all have for the business. And I look forward to personally 
shaking your hand and thanking you for what you do and what you've brought because without you the business would not be as better place that it has become because of you pl myers thank you very much it's been a pleasure speaking to you and one day we will shake hands uh so uh have a great weekend and we'll catch up with you soon